Amen. So good to see you this morning. And, and I just want to continue kind of where we just, on the outside of worship, and just what I sense in this house is, is from one, what we've been dealing with this year is, is being a year of marked by great victories. You know, and, and sometimes we can look at our life and we can look at our past, maybe even look in our, look in our present, and we can see, how can I change or how can this change? You know, maybe you'd be like, Eric, well, how did, I mean, what's God, how can God do it for me? I don't know. But what, what is our mindset in the process? What do, where, what do we focus on? You know, I've been, been able to walk on this journey since I met God. You know, I was working at a liquor store, you know, and, and had a sickness in my body and got healed in my sister's living room. That started my journey in, in understanding who God is and the plan that he has for my life. And I've seen the freedom that's taken place in my life. And so don't judge your life about where you were in the past. But understand how important it is to know where God desires to take you in the future. Because he desires you to be victorious. You know, in Revelation chapter 12, you don't need to turn there. But it's been a key scripture I've been dealing with, you know, through the last seven weeks or so. And how it says, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Now, you know, if you don't understand anything about Christianity and about church and you hear the statement, blood of the lamb, what does that mean? Like, that's kind of weird, Justin. That's weird. The blood of the lamb, we overcome, uh, we're overcome by the blood of the lamb. And what does that mean? Do I say the blood? Do I speak the blood? Do I plead the blood? Do, do, all, do I do all sorts of stuff with the blood? Do I become like Moses and, and the Israelites and put blood on my doorpost when I go home? No, please don't. Please don't. I mean, you, your neighbors will, yeah, it, it, it's not good. But, but what I want you to see, it's, it, it's, a matter, it's a revelation that we need to receive as believers, right? It's a revelation that we need to receive as a believers. Believers says, if we overcome by the blood of the lamb, what does that mean for me? What does that mean in my life? Well, we've been unpacking this week after week and encourage you to go back and listen to some of the other messages. But the bottom line is we overcome by the blood of the lamb because the blood of the lamb, Jesus, he was the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. For yours and my sin. And it's by that blood that we overcome. Now, when we talk about overcome, it's not just, hey, I accepted Jesus and I'm going to go to heaven one day. No, the, the point is, is, is you made Jesus your life more than just you're going to go to heaven one day. This aspect of the blood of the lamb and receiving that is what made you righteous. It made you acceptable before God. You're not acceptable because, because you, you came to church today. You're not acceptable because, because all of a sudden you have all these scriptures memorized. You're not accepted because, because uh, maybe you have, a, you have a suit and tie on today. You're not accepted because, because of this, that, what, what, what your background might be or who, who you are, the finances you have. And that's not what makes you acceptable. What makes you acceptable is the blood of Jesus. What made you acceptable? What made you righteous is the blood of Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And so this aspect of the blood of Jesus has everything to do with covenant. Say covenant. covenant. Now, in our Western thinking, we don't understand covenant. You know, we, we, we don't understand you know, marriage is treated so lightly. People treat relationships, contracts, things they sign so lightly. We don't understand the, 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 the strength of what covenant is all about. But that's what the blood of Jesus was all about. Here in verse 12 says that at that time you were without Christ. You were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. And you were strangers from the covenants of promise. Having no hope and without God in the world. 
Meaning that there was a time that you didn't have a covenant and you didn't have hope. Then the next verse says, but now in Christ Jesus, but now. I love how, I, I, I love, there, there's certain, well, never mind. See, buts in the Bible are good. You know, there, you know, it's but. See, this is the way it was, but. So, but, I've been drawn near by the blood of Christ. I've been brought near by the blood of Christ. What I didn't have access to, I now have access to. What I didn't have a right to, I now have a right to. By the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is what brought me near. It brought me into a relationship. And so when we understand, we overcome by the blood. We understand it's this covenant relationship that I have with God. Covenant. Let's go to Psalms chapter 118. Psalms 118. It's what we were singing about during worship. What, we were, what Eric was talking about, what Cassie was singing about, what the worship team was declaring. All of it comes down to, it comes down to the covenant relationship. It's, it's being, being able to come near to God. In Psalms 118 verse 1, it says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, because his mercy endures forever. Let me read that again. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good because his mercy endures forever. Now, when we look at this word Lord here, this word Lord here isn't just a, a reference to God in general. But when he declares this word Lord here, it is actually the word Jehovah. And, you know, he could have used all sorts of words to classify Lord or creator, but he uses Jehovah here. Oh, give thanks unto Jehovah. Why, why is Jehovah so important? Because Jehovah was a, is a covenant name. It was a name that, that, that God used with Moses. He said, he said, Abraham and Isaac just knew me as God Almighty. But he said, but Moses, I'm going to reveal myself to you as Jehovah. Meaning, not only am I God that's powerful, not my God that can do great things, but now I'm a God that wants to get connected and do something in your life. That's why we hear the covenant names of God of like Jehovah Jireh, meaning it's the God that chooses to, to show himself as a provider. But you know what? He doesn't need to provide for, for himself. He's a provider for you. He, he doesn't need to heal himself. So he's Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord that heals you. So when we hear the Jehovah, it's his, his, his willingness to get right involved in your life. Is to get involved in your situation. Get involved with wherever you might be at. So that's what David is saying. See, David, he said, the word says, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. What is David doing? He's declaring his testimony. He says, oh, give thanks unto Jehovah for he is good. Because his mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say that his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron now say that his mercy endures forever. See, it's interesting. He uses these two people groups. He uses Israel and he uses house of Aaron. Why? Because those were both people that he made covenants with. A covenant with God's people and a covenant with the priesthood. But then he adds a third one. He goes, let them now that fear the Lord. Let them now that fear the Lord. Meaning anyone that would choose to put God first place. Anybody that would be a worshiper of God, <clears throat> anyone that, that would look to God as their source, let them now say his mercy endures forever. 
You see, just in these few chapters, if, if you look at Psalms 110 to Psalms 119. Now think about it. In, in my Bible, there's, if you look at just five of the chapters, five of the chapters, it's only four and a half pages. But in those four and a half pages, David uses Jehovah 77 times. Think about it. Of all the words in the Bible, in four and a half pages, David calls on him as Jehovah 77 times. If you add Psalms 119, in, in nine chapters, he uses Jehovah over 102 times. Just in just a, just a couple pages. I mean, that just in that, he uses Jehovah 102 times. Why? What is he, he wants us to understand that God wants to get involved in your life. That God wants to get involved in your situation. Covenant. See, he says, he goes, let Israel now say, let Aaron, the house of Aaron say, let those that fear the Lord now say his mercy endures forever. What, what is that? What is mercy here? Mercy is a covenant word for loyalty. It's a covenant word of love. You know, if you look at this word mercy in the Old Testament, the same word in the New Testament is we translate as agape love. It's the God kind of love. It's a love we can't describe. It's a love that we can only kind of put um, insight into. All we can say, it's the God kind of love. But yet David says, it's in this Jehovah. His mercy endures forever. You see, when God looks at covenant, he understands covenant. And what is covenant to him? That's his, his loyalty, meaning you're constantly on his mind. When David is saying his mercy Endures forever. Tom, he's saying, Tom is always on my mind. David is saying, those that fear the Lord, his mercy endures forever. Me, John, he's, you're on his mind. CJ, because he has a covenant and you made Jesus the Lord of your life, you are constantly on his mind. Think about that. See, when we understand covenant from God's perspective, we understand that, that, that we're on his mind. And it's not on, your, on his mind because, because you're perfect. See, while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. So it has nothing to do with, with your merits or your good works. It has to do with how much he loves you. Here, and so if we keep reading here in Psalms 118, he says this. Verse 5, he says, I called upon the Lord in distress. I called upon the Lord in distress. So think about this. David is saying, I know he's Jehovah and I know I'm on his mind. So therefore, because I'm on his mind, I called on him when I was distressed. Now, this word distress here is the word narrowness of room. You ever hear the, the, the phrase of, you know, I just feel like the walls are closing in on me. You ever felt that way? Just the walls are closing in on you. And that's what David was feeling that way. And he's saying, as these walls are closing in on me, I call on him in my distress. Then it says this. And the Lord answered me and set me in a large place. Verse six, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear what can man do to me. The Lord is on my side. Jehovah is on my side. Remember? Now think about that. We were brought near 
by the blood of Christ. See, we were brought, we were brought onto his side. The Lord is on my side. The next verse says, the Lord takes my part with them that help me. Here David is saying, I'm always, I'm always on his mind. And because I'm always on my, on his mind, he delivers me and sets me in a large place because I'm on his mind. It says he takes, he taketh my part. And we, I don't use the word taketh here just so I can sound spiritual. I'm not using the word taketh here so I can sound like King James. But anytime you see TH in the King James, it's a purpose. It's there. It means that it's constantly happening. And it means that it's always in the present. See, he taketh my part. Now, the better way to the, the phrase taketh my part, the better way to, to understand this means this. It means he surrounds me with the intent to defend me. We overcome by the blood of the lamb. See, David is talking about covenant. David is understanding. I'm always on his mind. And he cares about every aspect of your life. He cares about your finances. He really does. He cares about your physical body. He cares about your calling. He cares about your future. He cares about your marriage. He cares about your relationships. He cares about every aspect of life. He cares about your freedom. Don't ever get the idea. Don't buy into the lie that God doesn't care about you. So as it pertains to covenant, we're always on God's mind. What should our understanding be of covenant? When we think of covenant as it pertains to God, what should we think of? He's always on my side. I overcome by the blood of the lamb. Why do I overcome? Why, why should I be victorious? Why should I win in life? Why should I not be defeated the rest of my life? Why? Because, because he is on my side. He's on my side. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. Thank you, Father. Romans chapter 8. Let's look at verse 28. It says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Now, it doesn't say all things work to God good for everybody. Now, and also, if you look at the very beginning of Romans, he's writing to brethren. So, as the church, this morning, I'm speaking to people that have made Jesus the Lord of their life. And if you haven't made Jesus your life, man, come on this journey with me. Because I'm telling you, what God has done in my life for 26 years has been astounding. And, and so here he's writing, he says, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, the word called here, all things work together for good. You know, I, I think about, think about that, all things work together for good. All things work together for good. And some people are going to have the mindset of, well, God just put me through this rough, this rough season. He put me through this wilderness. He put me through all this sickness. He put me through all this disease. And, and he's going to work something good out of it. That's not what this is referring to. 
even if I take the scripture, I look at, I look at the life of Joseph. I look at the life of Joseph. We all know that Joseph went through some horrible times, right? He went from the pit to the palace, right? He, he went, he went from being, being uh, chosen by his father. He went to being blessed, went to having a vision from God, but yet goes through all these negative things throughout his life. And he gets to the end of his life and he's standing before all his brothers and, and his brothers are, you know, he's like now, like now that he's like the big guy on, he's like the big guy on campus. And he's like the one that's like the second in charge of Egypt and, and, and they're, they're having to come to him and, and, and get food and all these things. And now that Joseph's father father's passed away. What, what is Joe, what do the brothers say? He goes, well, now that dad's gone, he's going to get rid of us. But yet Dave, but yet Joseph stands in front of them and he makes a statement. He says, fear not for I'm in the place of God, man. See in the natural, we could get, we can get upset by things that people do to us. We can get upset at ourselves for what we did to ourselves. We can get upset for, for, for maybe the financial things that happen. We can get upset in all those things. But, and the thing is, if we get upset about those things, then what happens is we're not allowing, getting, allowing the covenant to work in our lives. And yet, and yet here he said, fear not for I'm in the place of God. What, and then what does he say? He says, with the enemy meant for evil, God will turn it out for good. See, what the, not what God meant for evil is what the enemy meant for evil. See, what the enemy meant for evil, God's going to work it out for good. And that phrase, work it out in the Hebrew, is where we get our English word wicker from. That means, that means to weave or to twist. Now get this, now get a picture of this. Now, what the enemy meant for evil, what the enemy twisted... With the enemy, enemy twisted in my life, whether it was from your childhood or yesterday, what the enemy did, God will reweave it. God will make something new out of it. God will reconstruct something. God will make something brand new of our mess. So what the enemy meant for evil, God's going to turn it out for good. So I don't know where you might be in your life right now, but he works out all things for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. And I want you to know, if you're, you're hearing the sound of my voice, you are called according to his purpose. There is not one person in this room that's not called according to his purpose. There's not one creation, one purpose, one person that is not called according to purpose. If you came out, <laughs> if you are breathing and you are living and walking the earth, you are called according to his purpose. And I love the word called here because a lot of times we think of call. Well, I'm called to preach or I'm called to this. And there's some, no, now this word called, I love this because it means invited. Brad, come up here for a second. See, I just invited Brad to participate in this service. And that was the participation. Thank you. So you're called, being called is invited to participate in something. So when, when, when you made Jesus the Lord of your life by the blood of the lamb, right? You, you, you were made righteous by the blood. You, he works all things for good to those that are invited to participate in something. See, what were you involved to participate in? Covenant. This relationship. Please don't look at going to church as your Sunday thing. 
or your religious thing. Don't, hey, well, I just, knocked, I just knocked off that. Yeah, I did that good thing this week. Church, church to me, see, church to me is the answer to the world. You're like, well, I thought church was man's idea and it was a thing to raise. No, no, church was God's idea and Jesus is the head of it. Read the word. And, he's, and he, it says he's coming back for a glorious one. A glorious church. And so, so here we've been invited in this journey, invited into having relationship with him. Thank you, Father. Verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. The word predestinate means what was decreed from the beginning. I don't believe, we're not a church that believes in predestination. I don't, we don't believe in once saved, always saved. We don't believe that some people are going to be saved and some people aren't going to be saved. That all of a sudden God has this. No, because if that's the case, then why did God say, I wish all men to be saved? So we're not predestination. We're not. It's a whole nother. No, the thing is what, what predestined means is, is, is beforehand. God saw you beforehand and he had a plan for you beforehand. And like I said, we're all called according to his purpose. Whom he did for, actually verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Verse 30, moreover, whom he predestinate. So let's say it like this. For whom he did declare from the beginning, those he also invited to participate in something, and those he invited to participate in them, he justified, meaning he made righteous. And those he made righteous, he glorified. So what, what am I trying to say here? You've been invited to participate. Those he invited, he justified. He made you righteous. And those he made righteous, he exalted you to a heavenly position. He exalted you to heavenly dignity. He exalted you to God's class. That's what the scripture is saying. So have you been called? Have you been invited? That means that, that means he is, if you've been, you've been called and you've been justified, made righteous and made Jesus the Lord of your life, then, then you've been exalted to this, this position, this new way of living, this, this way of doing things the rest of the world doesn't do. Being able to love like no one else loves, walk like no one else, believe like no one else believed. Have peace like no one else. Have joy like no one else. Thank you, Father. And then he says this. It says, what shall we say to these things? What things? That we've been exalted to this position. So what shall we say about that? What does that really mean? I'm glad you asked. Because this is what it comes down to. If God be for us, who can be against us? I think about shit. If he's invited you. He's invited you into this relationship. He's invited you into this heavenly relationship. What does that mean? And it means this. If God be for you, who can be against you? I Meaning if God's on your side, what does anything else matter? What is this thing that I'm going through? What is this thing that I'm facing? If God be for me, who can be against me? 
hand. See, this is, this is the, the whole aspect we overcome by the blood of the lamb, meaning it brought me access to where he is on my side. So for me, covenant, understanding it is, is he's, he's constant, I'm constantly on his mind and I constantly know that he's for me. Thank you, Father. What shall we say to all this? If God be for us, who can be against us? Verse 32, he that spared not his own son. We classify sometimes, we, we look at Jesus or we look at God sometimes and, and if we're not careful, we can look at it as a fable or just a story. But anytime you look at God as just a story or just a tall tale or a fable, when you get into the word, it won't change how you live. It may, it may have you, you may come to church on a Sunday, but it's not going to change how you love people. It's not going to change how you treat people. It's not going to change how you do things and how you live and the decisions and the choices that you make. So we understand this, that, that it says, if God be for me, who can be against me? And the answer to that is nothing and no one. If God's for me, who can be against me? Nothing and no one. But then it says this, who spared not his own son. Now think about it. Who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with himself also freely give us all, say all. All, all things. Joseph, if he went to the lengths to exalt me to that position in Christ... And he sent his very best. He spared not his own son, but he delivered him up for us, say all. Why wouldn't he give us all things? See, sometimes we can classify salvation as just a little thing. Well, you know, hey, I'm saved. No, no, that that is the thing. That is the thing. So we can, we can, we, we like to classify like salvation as just, well, that's just, you know, Hey, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Woo. And then we look at, and then we look at finances. We look at healing. We look at restoration. We look at our purpose and we look at our calling as big things. We look at all the, we look at, you know, you know, if you're, you made Jesus your Lord and you think back and yeah, that was a great time. And I've been serving God for this long and. And yet we we're, we're pressing into all these things, but yet God considered the main thing salvation. Who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Why wouldn't he give us all things? So you see, he could give you. How many people are business owners in here? Raise your hand. You're a business owner. You realize he could give you one idea. He could give you one word. That totally revolutionize your family tree as it comes to finances. Think about it. And no one's excited about that at all. See, he, I want you to understand is, is if he would do this for our salvation, why would he, why, why would he withhold anything else? If he would give his very best for your soul, why wouldn't he give you anything else? 
that you're asking for. Now, I didn't say asking everything that you're lusting after. I'm not saying that. Some people, we want prosperity just to, just to consume it on ourselves, but understanding that money is always for a mission. But so understand, give it, if he would do that, why wouldn't he give us all things? But yet sometimes in life, we can look at all those all things as more important than the thing. But understanding the thing is what gave me access to all things. Do you see that? The thing is what gave me access to all these other things. Why? Because the the thing is what gave me access to the covenant. Let's go to Genesis 12 and I'll close with this. Genesis 12. I'll close with this. No way I'm going to finish today, so you'll have to come back next week. Thank you, Father. Now think about, when I read this, think about covenant. Because what Jesus did... Yeah. Thank you, Father. Just hold your place in Genesis Genesis 12. Because maybe they say, why are you going back there? Why are you going to the Old Testament? Because you need to see this. Because this all has to do, the blood of Jesus gave us access to this covenant. Galatians 3. Thank you, Father. Verse, can you put that up there? Galatians 3, starting in verse 12. The King James is fine. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Next. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Next verse. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now think about that. So Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. So what? So that the blessings of Abraham might come on you and me. You see, when we made Jesus the Lord of life and he invited us to participate and he became, we became with him and him with us, he gave us access into this. Why wouldn't he give us all things? If he gave his very best, why would not he give us all of the things? What was the blessing of Abraham? Now, you can mark Deuteronomy 28 and you can, you can go back and read that in the first 14 verses. But you know, you're familiar, you're blessed coming in, you're blessed going out, you're above only and not beneath, you're the head and not the tail. He'll smite your enemies and they'll flee. They'll flee in several directions. You know, you're the head and not the tail. It, go, it talks about all those things, but all those things were the results of being con- covenantly connected with God. But here he says this to Abraham. Now the Lord said to Abraham, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I'll show you. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless them and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, curses him that curseth thee, and in thee, and in thee, and in you, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now think about it. We are brought into this covenant, and the blessing of Abraham might come on you and me. And what was that covenant? The bottom line of it was so you would be blessed, and you would be a blessing. 
He will make your name great. And you'll be distinguished. And in you, and say in me, Amen. shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Man. You see, you, you, are, you are a container. You are a vessel that is one that is to be. Thank you, Father. Be blessing humanity around you. You know, but we can be so me focused, so, so on us focused, understanding, hey, God's got my back. God's, God, God's got my back. God's, God's working on my back. He is for me and he's not against me. If God is for me, who can be against me? Who didn't spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not freely give us all things? That's covenant. That's covenant. That's covenant. Stand to your feet. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you for your goodness in this place today. I thank you. I thank you because of covenant. You're on our side. I thank you because of covenant. Because of covenant, Lord. You are for us and not against us. Because of covenant. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Now, whatever you might be facing today and whatever you're going through, and a lot of people came up earlier, whether it's during worship or about the finances. But I want you to know today about your victory. You're not victorious because of yourself. Abraham was nothing without God. God said, I'll Make your name famous. I will bless you. And in you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. See, covenant is not about what you can work for. But it's willing of what you what have the ability to believe and receive. Do I believe that he's for me? I want you to know. Just close your eyes for a moment. People can disappoint you. Circumstances can disappoint you. Religion can disappoint you. Pastors can disappoint you. Parents can disappoint you. Community can disappoint you. But I want you to know God is for you. And you are in the forefront of his mind today. And I want you to hear, and we, we heard this in worship, we heard it. I want you to realize connecting this aspect with covenant is know that God's got your back. If he gave his very best, why wouldn't he give you all things? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Say this after me. Thank you, Father. That you are Jehovah. And I'm on your mind. Thank you, Father. That you are for me. Not against me. You're on my side. Because you're on my side. I overcome. I overcome. Every difficulty. 
every hurt, every offense, I overcome because of covenant. You're so faithful, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, you're faithful. Thank you, Father, that you're faithful, that you will continue to reveal your faithfulness to each one of us. this understanding, Father, of you being with us would bring about a great peace, bring about a great strength. That as Hebrews says, that this, this hope of this covenant, it says that this hope would be an anchor to our soul. This hope, that this understanding that you're with us, this this aspect that you're on our side, that it would be an anchor to our soul, that when our mind and our will and emotions want to be all over the place, yet we'll go back to this aspect of covenant and knowing because of that, Father, you're on our side and it would it will cause us to be settled in difficult times and difficult places. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, you're faithful. Just place your hand on the person on your left, on your shoulders. You know what? You have the peace of God on the inside of you. Peace isn't a, just a feeling of everything's just a natural feeling of everything's going well. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit. Thank you, Father. And you have the fruit of the Spirit on the inside of you. So just in this atmosphere, His presence is so sweet. Release that peace into their life. Pray over them. You don't know what they have, what, what they faced last week. You don't know what, what they have coming up this week. But pray over them. Maybe while you're praying, if there's something will come up in your heart, it'll be a word that's for them. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your presence, your peace in this place. You are faithful, you're faithful, you're faithful. Father, to peace that passes all understanding. Mount guard and surround every heart in this place. Lord, if there's those that are here today, that have never made Jesus the Lord of their life. I thank you that today you're working in their hearts. Today you're drawing them. Maybe he's drawing some of you into a deeper commitment. 
wherever you're at in this journey with God, I want you to know he's for you. He's for you. He's for you and not against you. And your greatest days are ahead of you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. He said, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. Jesus spoke that to his disciples because he started off saying, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. The answer to a troubled heart is, is receiving the peace that Jesus paid and provided. Receive his peace today. Receive his peace today. Receive his peace today. Thank you, Father. Receive his peace today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You know, yesterday and early this morning, if you watched any of the news, disheartening things that we saw take place in El Paso and things that took place in the middle of the night in Ohio. So is it just in this atmosphere of peace, there's no distance in prayer. Let's pray over the families. Pray over the families that were in the communities and the churches that have experienced this, this tragedy. Oh, Father, we speak forth peace. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. You may say, well, if, if God is a, is a good God, why did God let something like that happen? God doesn't let things like that happen. You have to understand that Satan is still the God of this world. And he can never override someone's personal will. He can't override someone's deceptive heart. This wasn't the doing of God. This wasn't God's plan to have, a, to have some more angels in heaven. For one, we don't turn to angels. That would be a demotion. This, this is an attack of the enemy. This, this, is, this is destruction working. And it's, you know, I'm telling you, not to be political, but this isn't something you can regulate. You don't regu- regulate deception and anger and hurt. The only thing that can change it is eyes understanding being open to the hope of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. My prayer over you and prayer over our church and prayer over our children is this, that we would always be in the right place at the right time. I'm going to encourage you, pray about things because I believe God, we, I knew countless stories that a good pastor friend that, that uh, pastored, um, he, he was on Wall Street, he, he uh, graduated University from Yale, um, but yet he was also a pastor and he pastored a lot of people that worked in the stock exchange. And his, his church was actually destroyed in 9-11. He had a lot of people that went to his church that worked in the Twin Towers. And it was interesting that, that all the people that were in his church that went to that, something delayed them that day. One of them, it was, some people were like, you know what, I'm just not supposed to go in today. 
This was, and I'm not saying God played favor. I'm, that, please hear me. I want you to say that God can direct our steps. We have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And I'm telling you, be at the right place at the right time. Being at the right place at the right time. I pray that over you. I pray that over our children. I always pray for Andy. Father, I thank you that Andy's always in the right place at the right time. That you would direct our steps. Thank you, Father. So let's continue to pray over our city. Put our foot down that that doesn't happen in our city. Anytime there's plans of darkness, there's plans of terrorism, plans of destruction, that what's in darkness would come to the light. That parents would be observant, friends would be observant, that, that our eyes would be open to, to, to where we take our position and our place of authority as a church in our community, in our schools. Thank you, Father. Man, the church is not just something that should be just in the back road somewhere. No, it, the church should be something that's making a decisive mark of change in the community. And that's what we're becoming as Heritage of Faith. Amen. 2,000 people by 2023, a team of 500 that go out and serve the needs of our community. Amen. Thank you, Father. Man, you overcome. We are victorious. You receive this word today? Amen. You can be seated just for a moment.